Welcome to Crushgasm, the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, someone who spends their sick days with Beauty and the Beast, Miller C. Lashbrook, a writer, teacher, podcaster, and all-around nerd who is here to talk not only about their brand new show, Pop Culture Bay Podcast, but also a pair of nerdy crushes who kept 90s kids glued to the small screen, which we'll reveal in a second. But first, Miller, how are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm on my last week of my summer break before I go back to teaching. So I'm trying to kind of like soak up all the free time that I can <laughs> wow, before I go back. Really early. Yeah, well, we have we have like a week of teacher planning before kids come back. So, uh, but yeah, in Florida, they come back pretty early. <laughs> so I want to go one by one with these crushes just to, you know, go in order. And we're going to start with Billy, a.k.a. the Blue Power Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, because I think this is a show that produced so many kids' crushes back in the day. Like, I've talked about... Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, like, Tommy and Kimberly were definitely top-notch, but so many people, like Zach and, I mean, everybody. It was somebody for everybody. And, like, a rotating roster of crushes, too. Like... (laughs) I, we could probably find someone at any age that at some point maybe had a, a Power Ranger crush because of how long the show's been going on. Um, there's a Power Ranger official convention. And I mean, there are fans from when it's first started who have continued with the show. So I'm sure they've like had a crush with each new generation. I may or may not be a fan like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've watched every episode and have kept up with the show. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know. so what was the attraction based solely on? Was it the fact that he was the nerdiest of them all? Was it the overalls, the glasses that he wore with alpha the most so i mean i've i'm a middle child who was always like kind of nerdy i I never wanted to really go outside too much but i loved like my legos and kind of figuring out puzzles and so i think part of it was one of it's one of those crushes where, where you like you see yourself a little represented in the character where i was like oh this is somebody like me and they get to be a superhero uh, and, and I was like, that's really cool. And like the fact that he was able to hang out with these other characters who were her very much coded as like the cool kids, right? You had like Tommy, who's this like suave kind of jock character. Um, even Jason's kind of like that too. And then Kimberly's like the girl next door, cool girl, um, like vibe. And Billy's a nerd and he gets to hang out with them. And so there's, it's like, I mean, what what's not to love about that? Um, and I think too, he was a lot more emotionally vulnerable than the other male characters because he was a dork. He would like get into situations where he was a little bumbling or clumsy and have to confront that in in the episodes. And I, I, I like a good a good man that is emotionally vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> and, were, and were you open about your crush on Billy as a kid or were you more on the, he's just like my favorite Power Ranger? It was definitely one of those where I was like, I don't even know if I was open about him being my favorite. I think half the time I would be, <laughs> half the time I would be like, oh yeah, Tommy's my favorite. Uh, the, 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 as the White Ranger specifically, I just loved that costume. Uh, with my friends uh, but secretly I'd be like okay but actually Billy's my was it really like low-key because he was the nerd and not seen as like the cool one yeah I mean I I I didn't even I didn't fully come out until college so part of that was part of unpacking that the crush (laughs) in and everything um but I think too like part of me recognized that like having a crush on a dork might be make me even more dorky than I already am right (laughs) yeah I don't think anyone you like my little brother liked Billy only because he was blue you know it's kind of like he liked the blue ninja turtle because everybody loves the color blue yeah (laughs) so they gave him an up but I think yeah definitely you never admitted to liking a nerdy character as a kid well back in the day now it's cool well, we'll get yeah, that. <laughs> kind of talking about you mentioned um, the Ninja Turtles. Donatello was always my favorite Ninja Turtle, and as a kid, I remember people being like, "What? You like the the nerdy turtle?" And I would always be like, "Oh, it's because purple's my favorite color, right?" <laughs> like that's why. 
My, that's it, but, uh, my husband's favorite too. Yeah, there's just something about those characters that want to tinker and want to like figure out problems and puzzles. Um, I've always loved Beast from the X-Men as well. That I, I just like a good tinkerer, nerdy, dorky kind of character like that. Um, and who doesn't love a Triceratops, right? Like as a dino, uh, of all the dinosaur choices, that's a pretty cool one. He did give it the Triceratops a cool factor because like with Land Before Time, Sarah definitely made Triceratops like a no-go. I was like, no bitch. But then like at Power Rangers, I, I was always like, liked cool. Sarah. No, she was so mean. She's a mean girl. She's the Regina George of the prehistoric time. Well, she gave like mean girl butch energy in, <laughs> in like uh, Land Before Time. The side note, Land Before Time, Littlefoot is my favorite uh, Land Before Time character. It's all, I love <laughs> Petrie. <laughs> Aw, the little Petrie. <laughs> yeah, he's so, so adorable. And I just, I just, I, I think it's the pterodactyl. I think he's a fly, but I didn't like the Pink Ranger because she was too girly, and I was like, cool tomboy. So I was like, yeah, here, girl. So you liked you were you were a Yellow Ranger girl? Yes, I have a Yellow Ranger tattoo. <laughs> love <her> so oh, <laughs> wait, which Ranger? Which Yellow I, Ranger? I just have the like Mighty Morphin Power Ranger in the suit, but she kind of just looks like uh, it's like a big head. So it's kind of drawn kind of like a, a Powerpuff girl. Okay. So big head, little stubby arms and legs. I got to meet um, the actress that played um, Aisha at a con a couple years ago. And that was really cool. I was like, I'm meeting a Power Ranger. Uh, <laughs> because I am a late 90s kid. So I discovered Mighty Morphin through like uh, blockbuster VHS tape sets because it was not on the air when I when I was a kid. When I started watching Power Rangers, I think it was Lost Galaxy was the season that was airing at the time. So I kind of, with blockbuster tapes, went back and watched the previous seasons and, and discovered the, the previous Rangers. Uh, but specifically the, the Mighty Morphin movie was like my favorite thing to just watch over and over again. I think we went through a couple different tapes of that one because I had watched it so much. And those 90s jorts and and <laughs> like tight shirt looks looked pretty good on on all those Rangers. <laughs> the, the whole rollerblade scene that we get in that movie. Yeah. I was like, this is what it means to be a cool kid as like a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> they utilize rollerblades. So, I mean, the opening scene of Mighty Ducks 2, uh, the rollerblades is iconic. I never learned, but I guess. <laughs> yeah, we were all convinced as like 90s kids that like rollerblades uh, were like the way to get around. And then in the early 2000s, it, like Tony Hawk came in and was like, nah, skateboards are cool. Like, rollerblades oh, are not hard. cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so other than the rollerblades, I think Billy had maybe... Not the shortest shorts in the opening scene, but do you remember the moment you started to like Billy as a crush? Like, was there a specific episode, a moment? The moment for for him, there's an episode in Mighty Morphin, and it's been a long time since I've seen those seasons, um, where he switches bodies with Kimberly. Mm -hmm. And there, I, maybe it's something <laughs> about um, them like kind of seeing Billy be like a little bit more effeminate because it's like Kimberly in Billy's body uh, that I was like, this guy's dorky and kind of feminine in a way. <laughs> and I was like, that's just that's just kind of cute. That's kind of adorable. Um, and I think too, as an adult going back and rewatching those old seasons and uh, remembering how much I liked this character and then learning that the actor himself is gay and was in the closet while filming the show, that kind of like, I was like, oh, maybe this was more of like a TV crush than just like, I liked this character a lot. And Billy was, of course, he was a real life person to gaze upon, uh, but your other nerdy crush was animated, which is totally normal. We talked about a lot of animated crushes here and they were on the same network. Spider-Man from the wildly popular animated series on Fox. Do you remember favoring one over the other? Um, definitely Spider-Man. <laughs> well, I I think Power Rangers is probably my first superhero thing that I kind of discovered, and then then got into the Spider-Man and X-Men animated series. But there was just something about like 
the hair metal like theme song of the Spider-Man animated series and like the the look of the animation and that crazy intro that used CGI before it was like really ready. <laughs> uh, and I, so my, my parents, my mom kind of, I think a little bit, and my dad too gave into the sort of satanic panic ideas about like comic books and role-playing games. Like I kind of asked about like going and getting comic books and they're like, oh no, like only like weirdos like read comics and stuff. And I think that made me want to read comics even more <laughs> as a kid. Even I'm, in the late 90s, they were still, in the early 2000s, they were still kind of scared that. Yeah, it, I think it was more, my parents are very, they're very much, I love them, but they're very much concerned with how other people see them. And so like, they would never want to be like a nerd because that would make them like, they would get embarrassed being a nerd. And so they couldn't see me wanting, like actively wanting to be nerdy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I would be like, hey, can we go to a comic book store? They'd be like, eh, there's not really any close by. And so the TV shows were really my main way to kind of like get into comic book characters. And I think Peter, Peter Parker, just the combination of him being nerdy and that just that kind of really all around nice guy who's just trying to do right there's something super endearing about that and i mean on the surface i was thinking these guys are very different but then i had them side by side today i was looking at google images and they both have very chiseled jawlines they have that typical white guy 90s hair and <laughs> yes they rock the hell out of some spandex i mean do you think like you had sort of this foundation of what you wanted in a man as a child because these are two very similar crushes in two different worlds um i mean probably <laughs> <laughs> you're like maybe i'm unpacking something here <laughs> well i mean looking ahead to my present day now i'm engaged to um a man that definitely kind of fits in terms of like the nerdiness, uh, the same kind of character type, but also body type of those two characters as well. So I, I'm sure I was kind of discovering my type as a kid with these characters. Do you think that these characters kind of built the foundation for wanting and maybe yearning after someone who was more nerdy, more inquisitive later in life? Yeah, I think, I think for me as I, I was kind of the most nerdy person in my family. And so I naturally tried to seek out other people who were nerdy to kind of validate that in me because I was like, yeah, my family is not gonna go like with me to nerdy things or want to do nerdy things. And so the maybe like finding kinship in those kinds of characters and those kinds of people too, as I got older, um, was almost like a survival mechanism in a way, especially to being queer, uh, looking for other members of the queer community. Like you're trying to find people who have that likeness on the surface, thinking before you know that they're necessarily gay, you kind of look for those similarities of personality to kind of find them. That um, so that's kind of like the gaydar, if you will. <laughs> Not to mention you were a middle child, which so am I. So I definitely know where you're coming from and the middle child syndrome and being like a nerdy middle child as well. It's the, the struggle is real. Yeah, I, you, it was always my my sister was too busy. My older sister was too busy um, <laughs> with her uh, like artsy stuff to uh, to like play Legos with me. And then my my little sibling was a baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, they were useless. <laughs> yeah, and, and so as as my little sibling got older, we had we actually are both nerds and had a lot in common. I think maybe part of that was I was in, indoctrinating uh, them as a nerd and <laughs> getting them to do nerdy things with me. So I had somebody to like a companion in life to kind of <laughs> um, enjoy nerdy things with. But yeah, there was that definitely middle chunk of like elementary school into early middle school, where it was like, I'd go to school, 
hang out with my nerdy friends and then come home and just like play on my GameCube or my, my Game Boy or play with Legos uh, after doing homework, of course, uh, because it was just like, uh, my, my family didn't get me. <laughs> I totally understand. I, my, I mean, nobody in my family, like my brothers or my mom were like into school. They did not like school. I loved school. I loved a good book. My like scholastic book fair was my Super Bowl. And they just didn't understand that. So I'd mostly be by myself or just, I would just so involved with TV as well. I just, I love stories, which I'm, I'm dyslexic. So that also was kind of frustrating as a kid too, loving storytelling, but then having this struggle with reading. And so I found myself oftentimes, um, movies and TV were that outlet of storytelling when I was struggling with the reading side of things. And then I, I, I started like writing my own, like little Spider-Man stories or, um, like, Pokemon or Power Ranger stories at like an early age. Um, and I, I have a creative writing degree, so <laughs> um, it, all, it all comes full circle uh, in that way. Yeah. <laughs> so when the idea of nerds like first came into pop culture, they weren't the coolest. They were like never the love interest. They were usually a best friend or somebody to make, be made fun of. But in recent years, it's kind of shifted. Nerds have become cool. We even, I mean, in the 2000s, there was this trend of people buying fake glasses to look cute, which was really offensive as someone who cannot see and wears glasses for real. What do you think like inspired that shift? towards like geeks are cool now they're trendy i i think a big part of it was that people started realizing uh, that the stories that were being made into like these big movies and tv shows were things that were once nerdy like comic books or <laughs> series of novels but i think also the our society kind of slowly realizing that we tend to mistreat the outcasts and also like women <laughs> has made us kind of look at the jock archetype as more of a negative stereotype and see like the male jock as more misogynistic and it kind of that look at toxic masculinity and now emotion and vulnerability and femininity are a little bit more sought after now that our society is starting to understand that like repressing emotions is genuinely not a good thing to do for any human being of any gender and i think that has kind of made that shift also being a, a stem focused um uh, culture in american culture like uh, science technology engineering and mathematics the nerd is kind of cool the nerds make money uh people like steve jobs and uh, Musk and Bezos are like the richest people in the world and they're like, well, Steve Jobs is no longer alive, but Bezos and Musk are huge nerds. <laughs> and true. I think that the startup culture of the mid 2000s with like the iPhones getting released and Amazon and everything too, kind of shifted nerds to be cool. That's a good point. I was going to say, uh, you mentioned like all the movies being made. And I think back to like X-Men, Spider-Man, definitely being a huge push towards the comic book movies, which loving Peter Parker in animated form. Were you happy with who has been cast over the several films or were you like, no, some like this actor would have been better? I think like all three Spider-Men were like, for me the perfect casting at the time when those movies came out in terms of keeping peter parker as a character as my crush uh like toby Maguire, kind of get they kind of made him that more like 80s and 90s kind of dork as peter parker at the beginning of that his first film but the he had a very like kind of 60s or 70s kind of handsome look to him in those movies uh and then when I was in high school, when the Andrew Garfield movies were coming out, he had more of like a kind of cool guy, Peter Parker going on. And the, I was like, I'm in high school. I want to be cool. Peter Parker's <laughs> cool and a nerd. Okay, that's, that, I like that. And then Tom Holland kind of, uh, and he's the same age as me, kind of seeing him as he's just kind of like the nice guy and also kind of a nerd. Uh, now that I am a 
an adult with uh, like more formed thoughts about the person I want to be. Being a nice person is more important to me than being cool, if you know what I mean. So there's no one else in your head that should have gotten the roles. They were all perfect as is. I mean, of the three, I think Tom Holland is my kind of favorite pick for Peter Parker. I think there was a time in uh, Zac Efron's career where he could have made a really interesting Peter Parker. Troy Bolton never. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was another early crush of mine with the first high school musical movie. Very different from these other crushes, (laughs) the nerdy crushes. Um, uh, But yeah, I, I... I think they they did a really good job casting those the Peter Parker for the the times when those movies were coming out for sure. For sure, Tom Holland's my favorite just because of the lip sync battle when he did Rihanna Umbrella. Yes, uh, <laughs> the, the idea to have to cast a dancer as Peter Parker, like what a what a like a mind blowing idea, because of course dancers are going to be super acrobatic they're going to be able to use their body in ways other actors can't and so to be like oh this kid did like uh broad well did musical theater in london and was in billy elliott and he's a dancer of course he's gonna do great with some of the stunt work for spider-man yeah um but yes that lip sync is iconic (laughs) <laughs> I watch it maybe at least once a month, at least. So from Billy Elliot, I'm going to go back to Billy, the Power Ranger for a second. Uh, like yes. you mentioned, he is gay. The actor plays him, David Yost. And it's been like kind of said that he wasn't treated so great back on the set um, when they were filming. Did yeah. you learn that and kind of be like, oh, did that kind of like put a little damper on things because it did for me I mean I remember when like the Boy Meets World stuff came out about the actress that played Angela and her being like kind of not treated so great by some of the cast members it did damper how I watched Boy Meets World I even stopped my marathon dead in its track so any of that for you it definitely does make it harder to rewatch some of those earlier seasons especially the Zio um, season knowing that that was going on behind the scenes and like Billy's still around as a character, but he doesn't get to be a ranger. And then he kind of just gets written off with this, like, and and the fact that his character's written off because of a heterosexual romance kind of makes that even, like, it it makes it feel even worse, right? Mm Because it's like they, they got rid of him because of bullying related to his homosexuality. And then to use a heterosexual relationship to get rid of his character is kind of like, uh, a twist of the knife, if you will. I think, I think what it, the thing I think about now, though, is how he's still such a champion for the franchise. Like he still goes to cons and meets with fans and does panels and talks about playing Billy. I would just love for him, for the franchise, to let him like get a redemption in like bring him back as a mentor type character they because they had tommy come back in they've had tommy come back multiple times but (laughs) specifically in dino thunder he was like the older mentor ranger for the team so if they had like billy come back and he can be a mentor for like a new set of rangers i feel like that would be really cool give him some powers again and he can be kind of like the the older like more veteran ranger of the team i feel like that would be really cool that would be i mean we did get to see tommy and kimberly at the end of that movie they did so maybe maybe in a big film that'd be cool i did like that movie you mentioned you did meet the yellow ranger and you said billy still does conventions i've seen him speak at a couple he's really i mean he's an amazing speaker have you ever like gotten close to meeting him at a convention or was he not at the one you went to i have not um the it was so fun the this is such an um, um, embarrassing story so when i met the yellow ranger uh, when I met the actress that played Aisha, um, it was at Orlando's Megacon. And I was just kind of walking around and I see this like little booth in the corner and all this like Power Ranger stuff with like Mighty Morphin. And and someone's just sitting there and I'm like looking at everything and everything. And I'm like, hi, I have this whole conversation about how I'm enjoying the convention, asking this girl how her convention's going and everything. And I was like, 
oh, so like, are you like a really big fan of Power Rangers? And she's like, I was the Yellow Ranger. Oh, and no. I was like, wait, what? I mean, the actors are older now, so they don't exactly look the same. <laughs> and, and she's like, yeah, I played Aisha. And I was like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I just had a whole conversation with you without realizing who you were. And she's like, it's okay, it happens sometimes. <laughs> and I was just so embarrassed that like I walked away and, <laughs> and and my fiance like was like, I just had a whole conversation. I like went up and I was like, I just had a whole conversation with the Power Ranger and didn't realize it. He's like, oh, do you want to go back and like get her signature? I was like, no, 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 like, I don't want to go back. I want to crawl then, into a hole and die. <laughs> and, yeah, and so, the next year, because it's an annual convention here in Orlando, um, she was there again. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get a signature from her. I'm going to see if she remembers like that happening <laughs> and everything. And and she was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that happening. I like signed signed it. So I have like a, like a poster of hers, the Yellow Ranger that she signed for me. And the my fiance, it was like almost, it happened like all over again. Oh. My fiance like tapped on my shoulder and was like, hey, babe, Jason's right there. Do you want his signature too? And I look and I'm like, how did I not realize the Red Ranger is standing there? And I was like, nope, nope, we're walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're usually clump, they try to clump them together. Usually. Yeah, the, I, I haven't been at a con where, I've, where David Yost has been there, but I mean, if he was, I would definitely get um, his signature. We have the Billy, um, Funko Pop, and so maybe I'd try to get like him to sign uh, like Billy's foot or something, because uh, uh, that that would be a cool kind of uh, souvenir to have around the house. For sure, I have like a from I found it at the ninety nine cent store in college. It's the like one of the morphers. It's Zach's, and I had him sign that. So it's somewhere it's in my office. It's like that's a cool. Yeah, uh, they have the. Like I said, they have the official like Power Morphicon usually every two years. Now I don't know the schedule with like everything that's gone on in the past couple of years, but usually it was out in California where I'm from. And it was a good time, good time. Yeah, there's one um, that they do in Orlando every year. It's a smaller one called Ranger Stop. Yeah. And yeah. it's coming back this year for the first time since like the pandemic happened and everything. Uh, and it is the weekend before our wedding so okay. i'm not gonna be able to go to it because we'll be very busy no make time yeah. if billy's gonna be there make time <laughs> say this is my present didn't <laughs> meet him and pop out yeah, someday someday i'll meet him yes before the wedding <laughs> and you might have to call off the wedding if you like thing hit it off with david yost <laughs> Isn't that's like some fan fiction coming to life? <laughs> I, I I'm I think I'm I am very happy and content <laughs> with my nerd. <laughs> well, well, now we're about to wrap this portion up, and if you if things if the fiance wasn't in the picture, and you got to be with one of them, I'm assuming you're gonna pay, pick Peter Parker because he was your favorite of the two. So if you could spend your life with Peter Parker in the animated form, but he was like a real person. How do you think your lives would be like if you could live this fantasy? Oh, I'm I'm here for, I mean, in the Marvel universe, like anybody can become a hero, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, hey, call up Tony Stark, get me some armor to wear or something uh, so we can go in like superhero together. None of this Mary Jane staying at home with the kids stuff. We would be out uh, saving people in New York and uh, we, we'd have like a superhero podcast where we would interview all the different uh, Marvel characters and I'd probably get very annoyed with how quippy Peter is and his really uh, bad dad jokes but I'd love it still. You would use <laughs> it as a business opportunity. <laughs> oh I mean I who I would not be afraid of making a little a little money on the side. Maybe that's not great power, great responsibility, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Well Uncle Ben didn't tell you or the Aunt May didn't tell you that. He's told Peter yeah, yeah. Whatever want. Yeah. <laughs> so, now it's it's not my fault that they got shot after <laughs> that guy robbed uh robbed the wrestling ring. Yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to do you. Which yeah. is okay. So now it's time to talk more about what you have going on because, like myself, you're a blogger who was like, hey, 
let me go ahead and start a podcast. So how long did you go back and forth about kicking things off? Because for me, I was on the fence for a few months. I was like, oh, no, no, maybe I should just stick to the blogging. So what about you? This has been something probably like, I guess almost, a, I mean, like a decade kind of in the the making. I mean, I am the the kind of perfect age where when YouTube was kind of taking off, I was in high school and I've, I was always like, oh, I want to make a YouTube channel. But I just, the idea of sitting in front of a camera and talking to it and then having to edit it and look at myself <laughs> on the <Yeah>. screen <laughs> while editing it, I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I kind of discovered podcasts while I was in college. I would take like the from my apartment to campus and would listen to like a podcast episode and I was just like I feel like this could be something that I would have fun doing uh I like the sound of my voice and I always am able to talk about stuff that I like a lot and but I was just like ah. Uh, I don't have anybody to start one with. That was because it, it was like most of the big podcasts I listened to, there were two people on them. And I was like, eh, nobody, nobody wants nobody wants to start one with me. So I kind of put it off. And then it was about, it was two years ago now, um, during my summer break as a teacher two years ago when I started my blog, because I was like, oh, this is kind of like a similar thing. I can write about like the nerdy stuff that I'm consuming and and write it down. Um, but then when I went back to work after that summer, I kind of had a hard time continuing and keeping up with it as a practice. Similar thing happened last summer. This past school year, I started listening to a podcast called Recovering Gleek, where they go back through all of Glee <laughs> and talk about all the episodes, which was another show that I like used to love watching. We could do a whole another crush episode on Kurt uh, <laughs> uh, with that show. Best and character. Yeah, uh, I, uh, yes, best character on that show. And every episode they would start the episode with this ad for Anchor, which is what they use to publish their podcast on. And I was just like, oh, you can just, record it right there it's free and i can do it all like it's super easy i tested it out one day and i was like oh this is way easier than i thought <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was kind of like during the school year so i was like okay i'm gonna sit on it think about it and then when summer started i had all this free time and i was like this is the perfect time to test it out right this is the perfect time to like see if podcasting is really for me and I started um, writing on my blog more regularly and I was like enjoying that and getting like some nice serotonin from that. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna do the podcast, it'll be me. And then I'll just bring on different people to talk to. So it's not just me on the podcast. And so far it's worked out really well. I've, I'm really enjoying it. I'm. I think I have the right momentum right now to where when I go back to work um, next week, I'm going to be able to keep up with it and do those episodes regularly, keep posting on the blog and everything. And so I'm I'm really enjoying it. And I, I would like to start maybe making a little bit of money on the side from doing it as well. Teaching doesn't uh, always pay all the bills. <laughs> all know that in this country yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh most overworked underpaid right there the teachers of america so mm -hmm. anyone in listening in the government pay them more <laughs> so, yes you mentioned that utilizing the term fae wasn't just to take it back in regards to fairy typically being a negative term uh aimed at gay men but also to show a bit of whimsy because you noted that sometimes fandoms can take themselves a bit too seriously with that what fandom do you feel is the most we'll say extra <laughs> in regards to their fandom uh, the fact that uh, before you even said extra the fandom that came to mind is specifically the x-men fandom like oh. the subset of marvel fans um i spend a lot of time on twitter in my <laughs> free time and the x fans on twitter it's like this interesting 
like it's the middle of the Venn diagram between like <laughs> drag race and comic books. Uh. And that's where the X-Men fandom is. And so okay. it's so funny because you'll get like people who on the more comic booky side of things really want to dissect continuity and get into like the history of the characters because for the X-Men it's like super convoluted of course. But then you also have fans like looking at the new costumes of the characters and being like, mm -hmm. yes, Queen Slay. And like <laughs> talking about how they want like Wolverine to be their daddy and stuff. And so it is, it's just this super interesting cross section of like queerness and nerdy fandom that I just love with how extra it is. And it's like, when can we get them in the MCU? Come on now, Kevin Feige. <laughs> coming, but as soon as you said Drag Race fandom, I knew exactly what you meant. I'm in that fandom. It's wild. Yes. <laughs> Especially like, like you said on Twitter, it can get a little crazy. <laughs> but back to the show, because when you started, you said you wanted to showcase pop culture through this like LGBTQ lens. And I think that's something as especially writers, we always do. We're always going back to like our own perspective. You know, for me, I'm always writing from a black female, low income childhood having like mentality. So for you though, how do you feel your personal LGBTQ lens has impacted how you've watched TV and film all these years? I think I'm a lot more gracious with uh, characters. I, I, I maybe it, it be, maybe it's because the like in the queer community we tend to be kind of the people who are thrown out of our family or who were kind of pushed aside or we weren't believed when we told truths about ourselves to people. And so I love characters that go through stuff and make bad decisions and still find the the power in themselves to come back to good. Um, the, I'm looking at on my shelf right now, actually, uh, my pop figure of Regina from Once Upon a Time, and she's kind of a character like that. Someone who just does bad, but then realizes that love is better and that love is more powerful and decides to be good. And I think there's there's power in stories like that. And I also just think because fandom is still changing and becoming a more inclusive space for people of color and queer people, I find myself, I don't take fandom I, I take it seriously, but not super seriously, if you get what I'm saying. I am more open to new stories, I suppose, um, because the, the, the fandom wasn't necessarily built for someone like me, but I'm carving out a space for myself in the fandom, if that makes sense. Right, right. Like it is becoming more inclusive. I think that's definitely in recent years. Uh, do you feel like there's one character or show or movie that has made the biggest impact on that representation in the LGBTQ community? I, I we mentioned I mentioned Glee before. I think Glee was a huge step forward for LGBT representation in media, even though Kurt is kind of like a, a stereotype in the way that he's depicted, but to have this network show that so many people are watching have a character who is openly queer and themselves, I think was a huge deal. On the comic book side of things, um, Wiccan and Hulkling of the Young Avengers and kind of the Young Avengers roster overall, uh, being these LGBT characters who are original and themselves and compelling and well-written has made a huge difference for representation as opposed to like characters who like all of a sudden then came out um, like Iceman did recently in the comics. I think when they're just themselves, it, it just shows that like we're just people in a way. Yeah. Um, and specifically in regard to like Queer people of color being represented. I think Pose is an amazing show um, in terms of representation of like trans women of color, especially uh, because trans stories are still very hard to come by in popular media. Uh, and so 
more stories like that we, that we can get, the better. And I do want to take a second to talk about a couple of characters we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, first, Will from Stranger Things, who got a lot of buzz around him. And I, but I've said all yes. along, uh, Will, of course, couldn't come out. It was the 80s and he was in small town Indiana. Do they think he was going to be, you know, loud and proud at that time? You have to think of the, you know, the environment he was in. Uh, do you think by the end of the final season that we're going to get in 2024, like a million years away, that Will is going to finally come out and let his friends know what's up? I think they will. I think the the creators are very much aware of how people see Will as a character, even though like the reality of the 80s not being like the best time for somebody to come out, especially like with the AIDS epidemic going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that they let... Um, Noah Schnapp, the actor who plays Will, come out or like talk about the character, him seeing the character as queer. I think that's a sign that they will have the character be open about his sexuality in the final season. Um, I don't, it's not going to be with Mike, and Mike's kind of a jerk, so I, I wouldn't want Will to be with Mike anyway. <laughs> you either. He like, don't give Will some ugly boy. Like, Will deserves better. Yeah, Will does, and so does Eleven. Eleven deserves yeah. better, too. There's like, a meme Mike, going around yeah. of Mike <laughs> coming out of the airplane all dressed, all dorky, and they're like, this is the guy making Will and Eleven cry, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know who. I, I, I think they would need to make a new character, honestly, if Will was going to have some sort of love interest. But I also like stories where characters can be queer without romance needing to be a part of it. Like, Will can be a queer person without being in a queer relationship uh and so it might just be important for him to just be like hey this is who i am and that's it well i hope well we'll see in 20 years when season five comes out <laughs> yeah really honestly we, we might get these two these two avengers movies in one year before we get stranger things <laughs> season five oh, i know i know it's so long but on the flip side there's queen Maeve from the boys i don't know if you were watching yes i do watch the boys yeah right, i so because I am a teacher, I don't um, put anything on my blog or my <laughs> or my podcast about the boys because it's such a mature show. Mm -hmm. But I do I do enjoy the show The Boys. Yeah, I think her arc was really interesting because she's like this older character, and I think she's supposed to be like even older than she looks, being kind of like a Wonder Woman type character. And so having her be go through this arc of like them using her sexuality as like. Uh, for capitalism purposes is a really interesting take on how companies treat our community <laughs> in the month of June, especially. Well, you answered my question before I, I was going to ask how oh. you <laughs> felt about, you know, June 1st, we see all, you know, coat from Coke to, you know, spray or whatever, Sprint and everything, putting the rainbows on and then on, you know, July 1st. It's an interesting thing because I, uh, on one hand, I'm like, Okay, clearly you're just trying to like use our community for like clout and to and like social goodwill to make your company look good uh, and for capitalistic purposes. But then at the same time, I'm like, what do, what is it probably what is this doing for kids now who are gonna see like something as simple as like the the logo on their iPad of the streaming service that now has a rainbow. And then they might ask, like, why is it a rainbow? And that can spark a conversation with a parent. And if the parent's cool, then <laughs> they will kind of explain, like, oh, there's um, this is a flag that kind of represents a community of people who have been marginalized in history and we're working to like be nicer to these people and if the kid wants to learn more they'll ask more questions because you know kids always have plenty of questions and so it's 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 one of those things where i'm like it, it's gonna it is kind of crappy to use our community for financial purposes but also it's cool that we're much more visible than we were 10 years ago yeah i can see that it's, it's a give and take pride month yeah exactly it's the the whole july 1st all the rainbows going away thing still upsets me specifically because my birthday is the beginning of july Aww. and so I'm like you couldn't keep the rainbows for like one week <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so before we wrap up, I wanted to play a quick speed round based around movies because you said listening to someone's favorites tells you a lot about them. So yes. All right. So your favorite movie when you need some mindless laughs? Probably Mean Girls. Yeah, Mean Girls. Because of Sarah, the Triceratops Mean Girl, this sort era. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just one of those movies I can I can quote all day. It's super campy. Um, I, I just, I love it so much. And on the flip side, your favorite movie when you need a good emotional release, aka a good cry. Um, if my fiance listens to this episode later, which I hope he does, but uh, he will give me shit for saying this because I always give him a hard time for this being his favorite movie. But Titanic is a great movie for a good cry. Um, he always wants to watch it, and I'm like, it's so long. Take a week, dang. We carve out a whole week. Well, but then he's like, yeah, but you always watch Endgame over and over again, and it's longer than Titanic. And I'm like, ah, no, 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 it's not the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) There's something happening in Endgame the whole time. Yeah. Titanic doesn't get cool until they hit the iceberg. That's when the action. But I was a Leo (laughs) stan back in the day, so I can understand. I just love like the opulence of the whole movie. Like the, yeah, it's just just beautiful. The shot at the end where we go back through the ship Mm -hmm. and the camera goes right up to the stairs and it comes back alive and we see like Rose finally like reunite with Jack in heaven, I guess is where that's supposed to be. Uh, Like beautiful, chef's kiss. Good (laughs) job, James Cameron. I don't care for the Avatar movies, but Titanic, wonderful. Yeah, same. same. Um, A movie you feel captures your current state of mind. My current state of mind. Oh my goodness. Um, Currently, I'm like not ready for summer to end, (laughs) but I know it has to. It's a good like stay in summer forever movie. I guess kind of like, I don't know. Lilo and Stitch, that might sound weird, but like that that's like a good summary movie because I don't want my summer to end. Which speaking yeah. of, best Disney <laughs> sidekick. Oh, best Disney can I can I name a pair of characters? Is that cheating? Um, no. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna say Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> Uh, if you listen to the second episode of my podcast, Beyonce and I talk about those gay dads, <laughs> and I, I've always loved uh, Timon and Pumbaa um, for sure. Yeah. And um, best Marvel in credit scene. Oh my gosh! Um, the best end credit scene. Okay, I mean. I'm going to go with one that I think a lot of people would say. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the end credit scene where we see Wanda and Pietro for the first time. I mean, I love Wanda. She's one of my favorite MCU characters. But for me, as this uh, as this teenager who's like seeing this movie, loves the Marvel movies, seeing an X-Men related character for the first time in the MCU, I was like, yes, we're getting something <laughs> like the mutants. And uh, and I mean, Wanda's just such a great character. I think I would say that's the best in credit scene. Speaking of Marvel, uh, you spent the last month really diving into the Marvel universe. You were recapping everything from Thor to Miss Marvel, like you said. Uh, so what lies ahead as we head into August and the fall? Because I know there's a lot that just got announced at Comic-Con. Yeah, so um, the way that for, I don't want Pop Culture Faye to become like just a Marvel podcast, but I am, that's definitely one of my larger fandoms. <laughs> so it's gonna take up uh, a lot of the podcast. So right now there, we're kind of in like a lull of Marvel content um, until She-Hulk comes out in the middle of, um, of August and I Am Groot, the series of shorts will come out then. So. I think for me, the next month, the this coming week, I'm gonna do an episode. Um, I'm actually gonna have a guest from another podcast, uh, the Direct Podcast. Uh, they the Direct does like a lot of Marvel and Star Wars like news, uh, and we're gonna be talking about 
how um, if people are watching all this content and they want to get into comics, like how, what's a good jumping on point and kind of talking about becoming a late in life comic book fan and getting into comics because it's such a huge barrier of entry for a lot of people financially or um, getting into comics in terms of like the continuity and really understanding everything going on. So that's this coming week. And then I think with the the weeks that are gonna be open here before we get some new Marvel content, I'm gonna kind of maybe look at some other fandoms that I haven't been giving love to on the podcast because I did some stuff for Star Wars and stuff for Marvel and maybe kind of touch on that a little bit. So maybe some of my video game fandoms like Pokemon or I I might give some uh, love to the to musical theater because I do, I do love that. I had an episode with uh, one of my friends where we talked about that. Um, it's it's kind of just one of those where the week of I look around at what people are talking about and I kind of take that as a cue for what I should talk about. And lastly, can you tell people where they can find you online? Yeah, so I can be found uh, in turn in terms of my podcast and blog. Uh, they're both titled Pop Culture Fay. Uh, you can find my blog. It's popculturefay.com. Fay is spelled F-A-E. That's sort of kind of like the old English spelling of the plural of fairy. And the Pop Culture Fay podcast, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, all those places. And then on social media, I think the one I use the most is Twitter. My Twitter is at uh, Mill C. Lashbrook. And then my Instagram, where I pretty much just post the blog posts that I've made, I kind of repost them there. That is at Miller C. Lashbrook. In terms of the content going out, this next couple of weeks is going to be like a real test for me with me going back to teaching. But my goal is to still have a weekly podcast episode every week, of course, and then um, at least do two or three blog posts a week on my blog. Well, you're taking on a lot, but I have faith in you. I think you got it worked out. <laughs> and um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it is a lot to do. People don't realize that it's a lot. <laughs> But, yeah, it, 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 I think a lot of people are just like, ah, you're just talking for like an hour and all that, but it's like, you got to edit, you got to post it, you got to write all, write all the copy for all the, the descriptions and stuff. It, when you're doing it by yourself, it's a lot. <laughs> well, Miller, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me about your nerdy crushes and everyone, you can find all of Miller's information below. And until next time, keep crushing it. <laughs>